Hi, welcome to Eugene Ballet at the Bar. My name is Mark Tucker. In today's episode, I sit down with our resident choreographer, Suzanne Hagg, and our associate artistic director, Jennifer Martin, both longtime dancers of the company, and we recount some stories and antics from Nutcracker that have occurred over the years. Before we get to our conversation, I have a few announcements. For those following our Double Door fundraiser, we did it. Not only did we unlock our match grant of $100,000, but we raised $155,000 to do it. Thank you to all the people who participated and helped spread our message. All these proceeds will go specifically to paying for our new building and securing the future of the arts in Eugene. Monday the 14th, we'll be dropping a new digital series called Shop Talk with Drossemeyer, in which he will Zoom call the cast of The Nutcracker to see what they have been up to. You can see this on any of our social media platforms. Lastly, Eugene Ballet has opened an online Nutcracker boutique. You can get an ornament of your favorite character, like Clara, a baby mouse, or even the Mouse King himself, a signed pair of point shoes from all of our ballerinas, uh, Eugene Ballet t-shirts, and much more. Visit our website at eugeneballet.org for details and email this podcast with any feedback at podcast at eugeneballet.org. Thank you. Welcome, Jen. Welcome, Susie. Uh, we are here today to tell stories about <laughs> Nutcracker. Um, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited uh, too. <laughs> you guys have both been on the podcast, but this is the first time doing it together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I think between the three of us, we have easily 40 plus years of Nutcracker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> scary yeah. to say that. Um, but maybe not that scary. I don't know. Anyway, uh, does anyone want to start? We'll just jump right in. Well, I would like to start by saying I think that there are some stories that we can tell and share, and there are some stories that we can't <laughs> tell and share just because they might be a little bit too either. Well, let's uh, we'll ride the line. We'll see how close we can get <laughs> right. to those stories that we are allowed to share and, and stories that maybe right. we should... Uh, not tell. Okay. That's <laughs> right. So we'll just hold hold in our hearts yes. fondly. And, and we don't want to ruin the magic that is Nutcracker, but I think knowing some of the things that happen behind the scenes yes. uh-huh. for audience members is really interesting and maybe will give people, when we can be in a theater again, watching Nutcracker, maybe some extra places to focus right. when watching certain scenes. Right. What do they call that in the movies? Oh, Easter eggs. eggs. Little Easter eggs. Little Easter eggs. Totally. Well, I wanted to start out by just telling our listeners, we do approximately 35 Nutcrackers a year. I think sometimes it may be a little less, sometimes it may be a little more, but I think it's right around 35. Eugene Ballet specializes in um, some really incredible things when we're on tour. We alter the sizes of our stage. Our venues change almost every night. Uh, it's it's rare that we'll do two nights in a road venue, although there are exceptions like Anchorage where we do a full seven shows over over a number of days. But it, yes. I think that variety is part of where these stories start to come from. Yes, and I think because the turnover rate in our company is 
not great. Um, we have the for great fortune of working with the same dancers year after year, which means that they experience our Nutcracker um, not just 35 times, but 35 times um, Susie, the amount. 15 years. And 15 for me, years. it was 18 dancing, and then now adding on another eight years as, as right. artistic staff. And so... And you guys are both running, uh, I mean, you essentially manage the show now. You manage the choreography, the show, the dancers, the warm-up, the everything. The, the local the students. And yes, exactly. They're here. And um, that's another thing that I think is worth mentioning is the fact that in each of these venues, we work with local children, and we're talking upwards of 50 children in each venue that we work with. Now, I have to say... In my experience, the schools that we work with are really outstanding. Absolutely. We, we audition them um, three to four months before we show up to do the show. They work on all of the choreography on their own. Um, I mean, they may call you. Do they call you guys every now and then with questions? Or? I think a lot of the places we tour to, we've gone back year after year. So the local teachers have have worked through this choreography for years now occasionally we'll we'll go to a new venue and they can reach out to us if they have questions but we, yeah. sorry oh no. i just they're competent i mean these yeah. kids we show up we have only a few hours before the show yeah. and they get out there and they do their thing and they're they're just talented and the joy is is part of uh what i enjoy the joy that you see on their faces and their experience is certainly part of what I enjoy about being on the road. Right, and I and and piggybacking on what you're saying too, there are a number of venues that have um, tried or made an effort to work with other companies beyond ours on off years, and the feedback we get ultimately when we're invited back is that the company members relationship with the local students is vastly different than the the other companies that they potentially have brought in and worked with because our dancers are they are very inspiring and positive with the students which is critical what i love such as a positive and heartwarming experience for them I I like to think that I their their energy is contagious. It's opening night every time we work with a new dance yeah. studio. And so they're there, they're pumped up, they're ready and I feel that energy. It just it it makes it exciting for me every time. And to see some of these little ones like for example when we go to these smaller venues like Caldwell, Idaho. Huh. And you see these young children that have worked with us year after year and their progression through the roles as they've gotten older. They've started out as baby mice and they're, you know, for lack of a better word, graduating as party children or waltz of the flowers in some of our venues. And it's just, um, it's remarkable to watch their growth. And to see their commitment and love of dance year after year and the fact that they, they want to participate in this particular ballet with us. It, no, it, I love it. I, I truly do. 
it's uh, I don't know, it's almost a stigmatized ballet in our career or, or field, I guess, the field of classical ballet because we do it so many times. But I found the the best way to appreciate it is to just commit every year, just fall in love with it again. Well, Antonius tried um, by making it, uh, casting it either with two and sometimes three casts. She tries to keep it fresh for the dancers um, each each time, or at least so that they can rotate and not they don't have to perform the same thing over and over and over, which creates monotony. It also relieves a little bit of the pressure. But what that does make way for are some creative antics. Creative. While we're out there, which is why <laughs> we're here does. today to Certainly talk does. about some of those things. I, I, it's funny, I'm super excited to, to tell these stories. I don't know where to start. It's hard to pick one out. Act right? 2 opening competition is what oh. I want to talk about. <laughs> this, this is Jen's favorite. It, it Jen's used favorite. to be absolutely my favorite and it would stress me out. So for those people who don't know, at the top of Act 2, after intermission, the Sugar Plum Fairy comes onto the stage with a cavalier and they welcome Hans and Clara to the Land of Sweets, and, or the Nutcracker Prince and Clara to the Land of Sweets. And there is a... It's kind of died down, but for years and years, there was a very long-standing competition that was kind of cutthroat between stage right dancers and stage left dancers. And those dance, you were assigned to the side you entered from, unless you had defectors, (laughs) which there were. People have switched teams. They have switched teams. And so the Sugar Plum Fairy and the Cavalier look to both stage right and stage left. And these, we're talking, you have roughly five seconds of them glancing at your side to compete and do something that will make the dancers on stage either smile really big, and in some cases it's made them break and laugh out loud or have an audible reaction on stage. And it's very brief, but I tell you, it's something that we we used to plan for. I would spend Oops. hours. <laughs> sorry, I would spend hours crafting for this. I made things. I have participated <laughs> in those competitions. Cat masks. Susie, what can you remember any of your favorites? I'm trying to think. Well, I, I think we're talking about defecting. Yeah. And we had um, one dancer in the company. Was he stage left? Gilmer Duran? Gilmer, he I alternated he was, sides. He, he alternated oh, okay. sides, but He'd I felt like right. he, yeah, he, he, he was the one you wanted on your yeah. side. So he was always on one side. I think whatever year it was, he was always on stage right. Yeah. And Arabian so, years, he was on stage right. Spanish years, he was on stage right, for sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe he was... Uh, I don't know. But, he also danced Merleton, which is stage right, left. so he could switch around. But he was always on one side, and I decided that since he's always get, coming up with these great ideas, and I was on the I was on the other side, and he'd always win. So for one, I got him in on my side, and we we pretended like we had kidnapped him. We blindfolded him and put him on the wrong side of the stage. So not only did the 
whatever stage right not have his help and input but we had him on he, he was just so spontaneous he could take an idea or a, a strand of christmas lights which he did or a nutcracker mask or the masking sword i think what you guys you did you guys tied him up and you held him hostage with all the mouse swords right something like that it was right. terrific he would do it though because we would be back there freaking out, not able to decide what we were gonna do. And in the the five minutes we were back there trying to figure it out, like he would have already. And this happened in when we did our Nutcracker in Florence one year. He had gone backstage. He found the, that strand of Christmas lights. He spun it around himself, plugged it in, and held a star above his head <laughs> and pretended he was a Christmas tree. And he won. Every time he could take a stuffed animal, he, he would find these he's things. He's a rock star. Yeah. I, but one of my personal favorites was when we filled up the cake with, with dry, dry ice, ice and everybody had champagne in yeah. the cake. <laughs> so it looks ice. like everybody was using the cake as a hot tub and having a glass of wine while yes. sitting in it. Yeah, that was always one of my favorites. Um, and then there have... was a picture that was taken because... You know, there, and it was one of the only times I think somebody took a picture. It was when I announced I was pregnant with with Grayson, and yes. we were in Anchorage, Alaska, and it was Reed with his partner on stage for so Reed and Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi for Yoshima. sugar, and um, I had made the sign before. It's like a total ringer, Jay. I went up to... You told that. You didn't tell anybody. Before, I, yeah, I did, that's true. Before I went up to Anchorage, I had made the sign and I packed it in my suitcase and I was backstage and I was super excited. I Like, the competition literally makes me sweat. And so I had really sticky armpits, but I was, like, super, super excited and... I was like stage right. I was like, don't worry, I got this. Because I was always a stage right supporter. Always. Mm-hmm. To the, my last time. <laughs> and so I held up this sign, and that was one of the times re, like the, the dancer had an audible response. He opened stage. his mouth yeah. so wide. And yeah. they were like, what? What was he looking at? It's like, I, I can't tell you. <laughs> but I think it's funny. When I joined the company, this has been going on for years right yeah i don't know how long but i i did it for 15 years but when i joined the company my first nutcracker people were trying to explain to me what this competition was right this is not done in every company this is just a eugene ballet game that's played yes and i it took me a while to figure out exactly what what we were doing and how (laughs) um but it it definitely made the brought the energy of act two up so high especially when you're on tour for a long time and you're starting to get tired yes but just to have something to something funny to look forward to backstage i think definitely like kind of boosted morale and got everybody on board for the next act right and a lot of it's inside 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 jokes jokes amongst you know like ballets that we've performed you have people in nutcracker costumes trying to pretend to be swans from swan lake Mm -hmm. because we have those you know, ballet bunhead people who just really dig other ballets, and so you would win just you, by... You gotta know your uh, audience. You do. You gotta know your Cavalier and your Sugar Plum. Yep. And what they Cut like. right through to the <laughs> core right. of them. It's true. Um, I There are so many, I can't remember. I, I know. participated, you get... When you're dancing Cavalier and Sugar Plum, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, 
right. in the wings. It's um, because it's it really treat. is such a short amount of time to think about how quickly your brain is working to put it together, what they're doing, and yeah. to try and figure it's it out. Fun. You usually we had you like either pretending to surf or writing something that was rolling. Cut straight to the core, me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love it, and it is something. It's special. I think we all got to be creative and. Like you said, arts and crafts got involved. It oh, just, yeah. um, it was neat to see where everybody, and it and it's part of supporting your friends, supporting them being on stage, supporting their, their evening just as much as your own. Yeah, it has you become part of our Eugene Valley tradition. Totally. Yes. Totally. We used to do um, Secret Santa on on stage also, um, and that. That typically would take place during we we would do educational outreach nutcracker shows, which is just basically the first half of the ballet for student um, observers, for student audience. And I remember people unwrapped. So this would take place in the party scene, correct? That's right. And so, yes, we have the Christmas tree that's on stage and people would, there are the gifts that get handed out to the party children that are performing but there would be real gifts under the tree and nobody would know who you know who was getting it until it was you know somehow kind of casually and quietly you're alerted to the fact that you have a present waiting for you <laughs> under, the, under the tree my. and my gift from ballet mistress Lisa Moon at that time I had been talking about wanting a fry daddy <laughs> What? I don't even know what that what is. is fry? <laughs> fry Daddy is it's a deep deep fryer. And so she she gave me a Fry Daddy because she was oh my secret Santa and so I unwrapped a Fry Daddy. And then I remember Hyaku who loved Hyaku Kwan uh-huh. who loved golfing. He unwrapped a golf club <laughs> <laughs> under the tree. I, yeah. It just it's so fun to have the freedoms and the support when you're creating that scene yes to weave those narratives and i think it's something our artistic director has always been if not supportive of she's been tolerant tolerant of letting the dancers create these little moments these yeah like easter eggs there are bursts of energy in something that would often be monotonous which was why we started the game of murder murder that was no, could, um, could you explain how this game works, Susie? Okay, so, and we haven't done it in a while. This was early on when I joined the company. I feel like the company members were very excited about this game. We would pass out a bunch of pieces of paper, and one of them had an X on it. And that <laughs> You would, drew yeah, before you went right. out, out on stage. Played yeah. a little lottery. Yeah, yeah, so whoever had the X, they were, they were the murderer, and then you'd proceed throughout party scene acting like you were in the party scene trying with your choreography yeah yeah but when you had moments you were trying either to murder people or not get murdered and i think we changed how how the murderer yeah like sometimes it was like a certain handshake like or a pinch yeah yeah Yeah. or a a wink or a a wink yeah poke yeah we have to make some kind of decision ahead of time and then people would try to avoid that person if they realized who they were and that that made the party scene interesting if not chaotic (laughs) (laughs) right and if you got murdered if i recall the few times that i was involved in this you had to do something something. you had to do a little dance 
Or silly cool. walks or was say, another yeah. one. Or you would imitate somebody that all of the company knew and worked with regularly. There, there were so when you were murdered, whether it was via wink, tap, pinch, and you did it covertly because you didn't want everybody to know. So it, you could just like basically pass behind somebody and pinch them. <laughs> And then that was it. And so that person then was obligated to do the silly walk, the imitation of somebody else, to spin whatever it was, but you you couldn't break character. That no. was the whole thing. It wasn't it wasn't supposed to be disruptive from the audience perspective. And that was the beautiful thing about it. Was trying so for example, we have the Harlequin doll and the Jack in the Box in the party scene and if they were murdered as part of their choreography somehow they would have to and that's the artistic challenge right that was the fun part yeah oh man the where do we go from here well i think we can talk jen and i have a pretty good story i think we need to share oh yes so this was my second year in the company i think my first year in the company i spent all of my time just learning the choreography and making sure <laughs> I didn't mess up. It's a, but, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. But by the time I got to my second round of touring, I was doing similar roles. I felt confident in, in those roles. And I realized that, that adding on these extra things just made the show more exciting for everybody. And also, like I think, helped out newer dancers have this sense of fun. Um, so, <laughs> Jen and I were... We... We were double cast as Clara's mother. Yes. And, and I think when you were Clara's mother, I wasn't in the party scene. I, for some reason, I okay. I didn't have to play. You had an off party had scene. A, yeah. So I yeah. I didn't have to do anything until the mouse scene. So I'd usually just watch from the wings, but we <laughs> we decided to do the great mom switcheroo <laughs> of two thousand and four. Yes, and this was a Hyaku was Clara's father. Mm-hmm. And he would have this joke between Susie and I, which which wife he liked better, wife one or <laughs> wife two, and why. <laughs> so, we retaliated. <laughs> <laughs> and he had both wives in one show. We did a very fast costume change, and I will never forget his face when you showed up because he was completely confused. <laughs> I and there him was just an audible like, response from him, yeah. too. Just being so... thinking that it was him. Yeah, forgetting yeah. what day it was. Yeah, it was awesome. But so. it also, we had... That's another thing with this company. You have to have mad quick change mm-hmm. skills because there we have few dancers and many roles, and so you are you become quickly adept at changing your costume quickly. And we did that changeroo in less than a minute. Yeah, and that that's a big costume with a lot of pieces. Yeah, well, there's only one costume. So we hoop, yeah, petticoat. Yeah, um, headpiece, head jewelry, piece, gloves, yeah. gloves, jewelry, gloves, dress. Yeah, yeah, huge yeah. dress, huge yeah. dress. Mm-hmm. So oh. we came backstage, I think, in our character shoes, probably wearing the hairpiece that the ringlets that you're supposed mm-hmm. to have in your hair, and that was it. And you have to be really sneaky too. Again, I think I was probably sweating, you know, like getting ready to do this. Because <laughs> I was like so freaking nervous. 
but it made the I think think it brought our adrenaline up. The rest of the show I feel like went really just well because we had that that yeah that little bit yeah we and did the same thing for Walt to the flowers too because there's that Susie and, and I this is, and this so has fun. happened too because you know out of necessity where somebody oh know, yeah gets you know, injured get injured or, yeah. and mm-hmm. we have to find a way to make the show work it, it's mm-hmm. just almost like flexing those muscles yeah mm-hmm. and just practicing but again we did the same thing in act two for walk to the flowers there's about it's just a little over a minute interlude where the nutcracker prince and clara are doing their pata de in the waltz of the flowers they're dancing together and the rest of the waltz girls are off stage that's the only exit that, that the waltz girls that have is, that's i mean their it's, break. it's a huge dance for them yeah and so Susie and I did it there as well. And, you know, some of the dancers on one side knew what was going on, but the other four on the opposite side, when the other person came on stage, their faces, you know, it's just like it See, gives them energy like a, and happiness. I feel like I have a memory of watching the weave that happens after the re-entrance yes. and seeing all the dancers realize in real time that you guys had switched parts. Yeah. Uh, it fun. just, yeah, joyful memories. It's super fun. We were quick change queens. Quick change. Yeah, <laughs> Masters. for sure. Well, Masters. and you also have to, you have to know the choreography and think about it because, again, it's all about um, not alerting the audience to that big of a change. If you make mistakes, that's that's the thing I feel you can't sacrifice the integrity of the ballet for your fun. You have to maintain it totally. because the audience should not be aware that something. And I, I think that's you know it's important to recognize that everybody who's participating in these antics that is their first priority. Right. They're out there creating this experience. I think that that's where it becomes fun and genuine, and that's where that energy transcends. Yes. I think I think some of my other favorite things are, for example, we used to tour to um, to do Nutcracker in uh, Hermiston, Oregon, mm-hmm. and they have a theater department at the school there, and their theater department was well stocked with costumes, and I remember. Uh, showing up as an additional party guest there because they had a dress that was oh, <laughs> that was in a similar style and so I felt like I could do that mm-hmm. you know just show up and then we also would tour way back with a third maid costume so I also liked to show up as an additional a third maid and I would wear glasses and come onto the stage carrying a tray of real food so that people could snap <laughs> during... I remember a time, I believe we were in Caldwell, where we were short a child, and Jennifer Martin showed up. I was a party boy, I think, or a party girl. You were a party, party girl. girl. You yeah. were incredible. So in Yakima, I came out as a party boy. I remember that. And that I was just, after I had retired, actually. I just remember all the kids, like, standing around you, and you guys were doing the scene with Claire after the, the Spring Point dance. It was terrific. Dubraska, who used to dance in our company, Gilmer's wife, uh-huh. she came out always as Clara's sister, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah doesn't get invited to the party very often. No, she doesn't, but just like she was a very needy child, she needed a lot of attention. She demanded, a lot of hand holding. She demanded a lot of attention. 
We, we've had mice that have shown up in the party scene. Um, I've also dressed up as the mouse queen. During education shows, I've, I've used an extra costume mm-hmm. and put a crown on one of the mouse heads and uh, come out and had my nails filed by the pirate mice. <laughs> I can recall carolers uh, visiting the house, the yes, straw moms. only on in, main stage yeah. productions. In the lovely can, crossover. Yes, yeah, because you can do that there. Yeah. Um, no, these, and, and mind you, these are stories when everything's going right. We haven't even gotten to the ones where... Things, no, go. Things you guys right. need to go. Go. Tell these. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I feel like Susie's, Susie's is a pretty epic story. Oh, my God. Can we tell this in a podcast? Yeah, you can tell it. We can tell this. Because yeah. <laughs> I can also tell the aftermath story. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a true example of professionalism i think at its finest yeah at the core of the story yeah the show must go on the show yeah, must go on sure. um i'll give you a little preface or give our, give our listeners a little preface so uh we had finished party scene we were on to the battle where are we though because this where is are we sandpoint idaho one of <laughs> i kid you not our favorite venues um for many reasons but it seems to be a venue that always surprises us <laughs> it is, uh, to say yes. um, it delicately, the audience there is so committed to enjoying. They sell the, out every they year. They sell out every year. And, uh, so anyhow, we had finished our party scene. We're into the battle scene. Takru and Peter were dancing. Uh, Takru was uh, your nutcracker prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Orloff was the mouse king, um. and they were sword fighting. And due to the spacing and the alterations in the position, maybe it's some other factors in there as well. There was a miscommunication and they had a glancing blow with their sword strikes that hit Takaru in the knuckles. Yep. And so And they're metal swords and they they do if they're not ground down and plus Peter was a little heavy he liked to be a little heavy handed he with was his method. Sword. He was out there to win he was a dramatic the battle scene. He was he <laughs> was a very dramatic mouse king. So so anyway, he, they had a glancing blow. Takaru's knuckle um, was hit by by the mouse king's sword and no, nobody was the wiser. We yeah, we were just going through the show like we a normal show and um they from my perspective, these whispers just started flooding through the backstage down to the dressing room. Like, something's going on. What's what's happening in the battle scene? Is everyone okay? And soon enough, all the dancers are standing up in the wings and we're looking at Susie standing on stage as she starts um, the Clara and Hans pa in a with white blood. In a, in a white, white gown. In a white nightgown with blood all everywhere. over you. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, it what, was really what exciting. Was that like? <laughs> so, yeah, well, I think that I didn't know what was happening until halfway through the dance. So, what um, after the battle scene, <laughs> what has to happen is Clara has to help the Nutcracker change from the Nutcracker doll into the the prince. So I had to help him take off his jacket and take off his head, and he started yelling like, "I need a towel! I need a towel!" And I thought maybe he was sweaty or his nose was running. So I, I made sure someone got him like some Kleenex or something, and I. And we had to, the change is so fast. We didn't have time to talk about what happened. And no, he didn't normally say, there's no yeah, talking. There's no time. Just, yeah. just, I just knew something yeah. wasn't quite right, but I didn't know what. 
Um, he got into position. I got into position. We started dancing. And as soon as he touched me, he put his hands around my shoulders to pick me up for that first lift or whatever. I could feel something slimy oh, on, one, on one of my shoulders. And I was like, whoa, he is really sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and so we kept dancing. And we don't, I mean, I don't look down at my costume. Yeah. I, we were just dancing. And then at a certain point, I could see on the floor there were drips and I was like he is very sweaty yeah. and then I looked at my dress and my arms and they were just smeared with blood <laughs> and, I, and I and he was still dancing and so we just kept going like I think when you get into that moment on stage and something's going wrong you put that you compartmentalize so much you're just like we just have to keep dancing and you default yeah. to your, your yeah, character like and your muscle training memory and, and every, whatever I mean Takuru is an amazing yes. professional yeah absolutely and that sure. this oh, is just one example of that like an extreme example but um so my i i realized kind of what had happened um but i was also still thinking about the choreography you but... were you were clara i don't think i saw <laughs> Susie ever I, it was clara dancing the whole time but there's one moment where i do a little turn and i look to the side of the stage and you know nobody's there he's behind me but every dancer getting ready for the snow scene was in the wing with the most horrified look on their face. <laughs> Literally. I can remember, I was, I danced Drosselmeyer that show, and mm -hmm. I was dancing the Cavalier in Act 2, and I was taking my makeup off, getting ready to, to clean myself up for Act 2, and everybody was like, something happened. You, you ha and so we all just ran up to the side of the stage, and it, it looked... For lack of a better description, it looked like a scene from Carrie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it the most blood by far I've ever seen on stage. And and it was Clara and Hans dancing the pot of death. And the I mean the audience was cheering and clapping. It was the craziest. My hope experience. is the lighting sort of masked. I, I don't know. It how was much really the I, I don't know either. I don't know either. I but, mean the yeah. It was incredible. Suffice it to stay, say, though, he had to have stitches. And I took yeah, him to did. the ER at the hospital in Sandpoint. And I swear, it was like out of a MASH episode. <laughs> they brought this little kit that was sealed up um, in this little... It was like really tiny. And I was just like, where are we? They didn't give him any oh, painkillers. But they did really? give him a tetanus shot, didn't they? They did. They, they in, like injected it into the area oh. where he was caught. Oh. And I was just Chakra, like... you were an amazing <laughs> dancer. What the heck? You know, it was so surreal. I couldn't believe it. And Peter insisted on being there with him, too, because he felt so badly oh, yeah. that yeah. he cut him open, that he was just like, I'm coming to the hospital, too. So he just, I mean, he, he felt so bad. Things happen, it's live theater, we, we say it all the time. And then wardrobe had to try and figure oh, out how to get that much blood out of your costume. Yeah. Shauna is a wizard though. She is. She did it. Shauna I mean, Durham, is, yeah. yeah, she is really I, gifted. I, she is. After that scene, and, and I think we should note that Takaru continued to do the rest of the show. Oh, yeah. He taped yes. him up and he kept dancing and I mean, I the show went well, but we were all obviously a little 
kind of shell shocked. Yeah. <laughs> He's a small guy. He yeah. can't afford to lose that much blood, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I think yeah. it just speaks to to his professionalism, to your professionalism, Susie. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. We should tell another sand, Sandpoint story because it is Which one. Which one? Of, <laughs> yeah, there's so many. Well, I think the coffee. coffee. I think yeah. coffee, coffee is probably one of my favorite stories um, it is. <laughs> ever in the history of my performing experience in my life. Again, another another fine hour True. for Shauna's ability to clean things. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Shauna. <laughs> so we'll back up a little bit. At each venue, we have um, hospitality hospitality, hospitality <laughs> that they supply for the dancers. We for stage use, you know, as a, as a tray passing item in the party scene. You know, crudité, whatever. Crudité, crudité. Uh, anyhow, um, it, it we're we're grateful. We don't leave the theater for hours. We show up. We do our class. You know, that nourishment gets us through the show. Yeah. But at times, it does become more than just hospitality. Well, when there's limited space in places, and, and Sandpoint is one of those, there really is no room. And so things you try to shove things out of the way on the periphery. But then there, you know, the crew has to be able to move the set pieces and props, and dancers need to be able to preset costume changes. And so sometimes the lines get a little blurred. There. It's true. It's a uh, you know your tools and your your food and your costumes and that it's all kind of in the same place. <laughs> Anyhow, um, it if we just kind of frame Sandpoint stage, uh, we have the house, we have the stage, which has a really large apron, larger than um, most stages we perform on, and so the wings are set really far up stage, and then there's a staircase on stage left that um, Goes elbows down to, the, down to the dressing rooms. Right. And so we generally keep the hospitality in that elbow in one turn of the stairwells. Of yeah. the stairwell. Yeah. And it just so happened that Danielle, we had just finished party scene. Danielle was helping Clara to quick change for battle um, into her nightgown before the bed and the nutcracker goodnight. And so Danielle was on the way up the staircase. Sarah Stockwell was changing for Lady Mice. Clara, who dresses stage left, was at the top. And so as Danielle looped around the edge of the staircase, her hoop skirt caught the nozzle of a 34 cup container, 34 cupper. Co uh, coffee Coffee urn. container. Coffee urn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, An electric. <laughs> percolating coffee urn which smells amazing by the way when which you're backstage was, which was still it was on it was on yeah. full of grounds full of grounds and coffee coffee and so Hot i was pot of coffee oh my gosh i was changing and my experience of the story was i heard a crash i heard a crash i poked my head out of the dressing room to see coffee cascading i'm I kid you not, like Niagara Falls, down the staircase <laughs> towards, stairs, yeah. towards towards the door of our dressing room, and Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Stockwell is standing there, and she's like, "I I have to go on stage. What am I doing?" And coffee had spilled out of the urn, all over her white mouse costume. Her not just the coffee, but the, the grounds. The grounds and. 
she's standing there and Reed, Reed Souther, um, shout out to Reed, was like, I got this. And he bolts back into the dressing room. He reemerges with a, a skater jacket, which is white tinted blue. So she had a replacement for her jacket and she's standing there, her point shoes, her white point shoes are yeah. covered in coffee. And she's like, I have to go on stage. I have to go on stage. And she takes the mouse head. And after she's placed this, uh, <laughs> all of her fresh costume on, she takes a mouse head, puts it on her head and coffee grounds just dribble <laughs> out from the, the, the neck hole in the mouse head. And I will never, ever forget that image in my mind. And sure enough, Sarah got out there on her music. She danced her mouse scene. I think she was minus point shoes, but yeah. she did it in socks. I didn't know what happened except that I noticed she wasn't wearing shoes and it smelled amazing on the stage. It smelled. <laughs> it smelled didn't smell like popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's it just truly incredible. And uh, an experience we couldn't recreate. Yeah. And I don't even think Danielle knew that she had knocked over the urn. She was just wondering what she was, was in going a, on. Yeah, she was she's in a hurry. Quick change mode. Yeah, she yeah. was in a hurry. Yeah, like that is such as life there. And yeah. Well, um, one of my favorite stories uh, from Alaska, where we do seven shows. In my 12 seasons um, with the company, we've been to Alaska nine times. And uh, <laughs> we have angels that open act two. And every now and then, the angels are seven to nine years old. Oh, man. Well, you're younger. Every now no, and then. No, I think they're seven to nine. The oh, baby yeah. mice are five to it's seven. Six. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. So, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's right. But they, um, they, they conduct themselves very well. Alaska is a really big house. Uh, I think there's about 2,500, 2,007, something around there. We sell out six shows in a row. It's a great experience, but it's just enough people and the, the angels are just old enough to realize that that's a lot of people. And every now and then one of them blesses us with some angel pee. Yes, they do. And so here we are at the Atwood uh, Concert Hall in An downtown Anchorage. And we the angels are all marching off stage. They have their hands. They're walking well, on their Well, you have to describe. Points. You won't know because their costumes are somewhat like a floor-length lampshade. Right. So you don't know anything's happened until they move because it, their costume goes all the way to the floor and there's room. It's not like you're going to see a wet spot on the costume. Right. No. Totally incognito. And those angels own it. Um, so they all march off stage and um, like wildfire we're getting the whispers backstage like stay upstage angel pee downstage and this is a, I think you have Spanish dancers Arabian, Arabian dancers uh, Chinese and then we go Russian, to Russian and you have Merle's. Polchinella, Merle's, yeah, Merle's, yeah. Polchinella Flowers Your Cavalier uh, and Sugar Plum Grandpada and so, you know, most of those dancers were really good. They kept their choreography upstage. They were able to adapt and um, come to the bonbons where the kids are spread all over the stage. We have this intro with Mother Ginger, um, who I had the pleasure of operating that night. And in order to remove the angel pee from downstage center center, we hid our... Um, Props master, Arendelle, 
behind the mother ginger skirt with all the kids in tow. Um, I entered with my eight counts of eight, re-choreographed the path around the stage. Arendelle mopped up the angel pee. We deposited Arendelle back into the wings on stage right and then made it to center to release the bonbons on their music. And I felt like a total magician <laughs> making the angel pee disappear in front of our packed house. It just, and I think we had everybody in the wings. People were recording it on their phone. Amazing. Uh, yeah. It was oh, fun. Yeah. And, and it was so great that, that all the bonbons were like in it enough to, to go with that change. Right? Yeah, yeah, the kids yeah, they, were awesome. They helped. It was like a, yeah. we all had a Team mission. Effort. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Like, are we going to make it? And I'm like, yeah, let's take big steps, guys. Let's take big steps. It was, uh, it was fun. Oh, guys. Well, I'm sure we, I mean, we still have a long list oh, we of do. stories. Uh, yeah. We yeah. could tell the stories about the music crashing. And... That, I, I, I think that that's a good way to finish. And in a way is to say that I remember a show in Caldwell and it, it's happened many times, many, many times. They've had the general manager backstage accidentally unplug the sound system and our stage manager. Uh, I mean, our, our executive director, Josh yeah, Knuckles. Now. Yes, he, when he was back in the day, when he was our stage manager. The coolest head in the business. That's right. He got, he got us right back on track. But one of my favorites, though, was in Caldwell. And it was during the finale, during the apotheosis for the entire ballet. It's at the very end. And the dancers are on stage. Da, 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 and they're going. And the music disappears. And the dan- nobody knows what's going on. The dancers just keep going. They don't stop. They just keep going. And I don't know how many sets of eight, but eventually the sound comes back on. They're exactly where they should be when the music restarts. Exactly, exactly where they should have been choreographically. They weren't late. They weren't early. And everybody was all together. And I was just like, that makes it, I mean, they're so well rehearsed, they're so well prepared, and they work together as a team, and that's what makes it And it's just like, it's a mutual agreement that that when things go wrong, we just default to the most professional element. Just continue going, keep that musicality in your body, you'll watch each other. The amount of cooperation certainly feels really special when you can kind of overcome something like that and don't don't let it ruin your evening. Boy, does it make for a good story. Oh, I love it. I mean, those are the, it's funny, those are the stories you end up remembering for the longest. You can have some great, great shows where everything goes right, but the the ones you remember are the ones where you kind of overcome that. Yeah. Um, Is there any story you want to leave us with, Susie? I don't, I feel like that's a really good closing one. That was pretty, it's a good one. Anyway, thank you uh, for joining Eugene Ballet at the bar today. It was a pleasure talking with you guys and just reliving these. Uh, makes me smile. Me too. Yeah, me makes too. me smile. <laughs> me too. It's good. All right.